Well, hello, everyone. My name is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, today we're gonna we're gonna cover a lot of ground. We're gonna talk about some topics that we've touched on here and there. Uh, but I've titled this message, message "Vaccinated Against the Midlife Crisis," and we're gonna talk a lot about you know very practical steps to living in in God's best for your life and God's plan for your life. And I know that this is really gonna bless you. You know, uh, I'm 40 years old, and and honestly, I don't really love my job. I've practiced real estate law full time for around 11 years, and while I I really do, I work for awesome people, and I love my clients, but I don't really like arguing with lenders and lawyers all day to close real estate deals. And uh, despite a successful career and being my own boss, I find myself asking what I should do with my life, or if I'm meant to do something else. And in a way, that's that's kind of pathetic when I consider how blessed I really am. And I admit that, but it's still that feeling I have. And, you know, many of my acquaintances are in the same boat. We're, we're entering middle age, and while we may make a good living, we don't feel that we're doing all that we can with our lives. I know this is a very common feeling, and that's why we all know the term midlife crisis. And I would like to analyze this concept briefly before presenting some points from God's words that I know will help anyone going through these issues. Furthermore, we could also call this message vaccinated against discontent, vaccinated against a life without purpose, vaccinated against unfulfillment, and other such titles would be appropriate. And while I know that many people don't love their jobs. I don't think I know anyone that has truly suffered a midlife, a midlife crisis or a catastrophic meltdown from their unhappiness with their current situation. Now, I know that happens to some people and that's very terrible. I don't know that I've seen anybody, you know, that's really gone that far. But for most of us, while we may not love our work in the world, we do love our families and we acknowledge our responsibilities to our spouses and our children. And, and most of the people I know, myself included, also acknowledge how fortunate we really are compared to most of the world. And we want to remain thankful and positive, even though we don't feel completely fulfilled. Now, just for example, I've been in the huts made from mud and cow dung in Africa, and I've been in some metal shacks in Haiti, and I'm never going to get too worried about my personal housing situation again. I'm very blessed. I want to be thankful about that. But while many of us love our our families and acknowledge that we have things pretty good, we live with the nagging feeling that we haven't accomplished all that we should or that we need to make changes to maximize our lives, that we can and we should do more. And again, you know, talking about myself, I find it very difficult to wake up with a real carpe diem mindset knowing that I need to be pretty close to my computer all day. And it's also difficult to get excited when my primary interaction with the Holy Spirit is relying on His help so I don't cuss someone out. Because pretty much that thought crosses my mind every day. And, you know, that nagging feeling that we should do more or at least something else is a major problem. Remember in the Matrix movie when Morpheus said something to Neo about a splinter in his mind? You know, you have this feeling that something isn't right and it doesn't get better and it doesn't go away. 
And even after a major victory or a wonderful experience, it remains. You know, sometimes I'm very fortunate to be a part of, you know, kind of major real estate transactions and it can be a, a good payday for me. And it's a lot of work and you feel that excitement. And then, you know, the, the money hits the account. And you're excited about that. But, you know, a couple of days later, you're on to the next deal, the next set of problems. And, it, you know, and you're right back to feeling the way you were, you know, and uh, that that splinter, that negative feeling, you know, for most of us, it, it just it causes the occasional outburst or a bad mood. You know, when a bad day brings this unfulfillment to the forefront of your thinking. But in some, those who experience a true midlife crisis, it can cause a complete breakdown. And people, we commonly think, you know, we want to avoid that breakdown. We want to avoid, you know, living with this feeling. So we think that a new job or a new house or a new spouse will make that feeling go away. But but that doesn't work. It won't work like that. And let me just further disillusion you with reality as we know it. At least I should say as most humans know it. There's nothing in the world that can actually remove that splinter. There is no career, no love interest, no physical pleasure, no material thing, no vacation, no beach house, no mountain chalet, no amount of free time, no amount of money. There is absolutely nothing out there that will free your mind from this splinter, that will free your mind from the voice that constantly whispers, what am I doing with my life? And my Christian brothers and sisters, I'm sorry to say that your salvation in Jesus Christ will not remove that splinter either. In fact, it can make it worse. I could go on and on about this, but to keep it simple, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit bonds with your reborn human spirit and you instantly receive a direct link to the consciousness of God that you didn't have before. And it's true, that link must be nurtured and appreciated to develop into the flow of life and revelation that God intends. But even at its creation, God's thoughts begin flowing from God's spirit to your spirit to your mind. The question changes from what am I doing with my life to what does God want me to do with my life? Why am I here becomes why did God put me here? And honestly, I think it's easier in some ways when we don't know God, because if everything comes from nothing and it's all just pointless and random, maybe nothing really matters. Eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. But now we know that isn't true. Now we know that everything matters and there is an infinite reality of what matters out there and it's passing me by or I'm not taking my place. You know, I feel this all the time personally, and I know that I'm not alone, but I know the cure. I know how to remove the splinter. I know the vaccination against the midlife crisis, the prescription against this sickness. It's not easy. It won't be easy, at least not at first, but it's available and it's free and it's yours for the taking. And even as I set myself to write the cure, I know that some of you will reject it. And that makes me sad. I know it's too far out there for some of you. Some of you have great lives and you don't feel the splinter very often. But some of you will receive this and some of you will take this jab and all of eternity will echo with your decision. The vaccine against the midlife crisis, the tweezers for that splinter of discontent in your mind is a complete commitment of your existence to the kingdom of God and there is no other cure. I can now teach you how a complete commitment 
to the kingdom of God is actually the best possible decision for your life and will lead you into the best possible life. But you would need to listen to my other teachings about that. Suffice it to say that despite what lies you've heard, God has only good for you. The devil does all the stealing, killing, and destroying. Jesus does all the blessing and life-giving. God does only good and the devil does only bad. They never switch jobs and the devil is self-employed. There is a lot of blasphemy, especially in the Christian world, about God bringing hardships into people's lives, but it's just not true. Yes, you will encounter persecutions and afflictions from this fallen world, which is under the devil's influence. But God will deliver you out of them all. In this life and in eternity, you will experience God's love and blessings. And I know I'm skipping all the Bible verse citations here, but this is just the simple biblical truth. So what does it mean to wholly commit your life to the kingdom of God? And how will this steal your mind against unfulfillment? And how will this fill your life with purpose? Of course, it starts with receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, which results in you being born again. Jesus said that unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. That's John 3, 3. When you are born again, you are literally created anew in your spirit and your spirit is born again directly by God. Being born again is how you come into God's family and God's kingdom. And we've previously defined the kingdom of God as the realm of God's rule. To put that another way, the kingdom of God is everywhere God's will is in effect. It is everywhere God is ruling. God is ruling in our spirits when we get born again. And so we come into his kingdom. But God is not ruling all of existence. As we have previously explained, excuse me, as we have previously explained, the devil is the God of this period of time. That's 2 Corinthians 4 4. God is not controlling everything as much as people want to believe that. God only rules certain parts of reality, including those of us who are born again. Furthermore, God only rules the parts of us that we've submitted to him. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we submitted our spirits to him, but the rest of the lives aren't sub- the rest of our lives aren't submitted to God's rule and kingdom until we voluntarily offer them up. Your entertainment life is probably not subjected completely to God's will. I know mine still needs some work. I watch some television, some movies, I, I don't know that Jesus would want to necessarily sit on the couch and watch all of those with me. You know, your relationships may need some adjustments for God's will as well. I, I've certainly had to make a number of adjustments in my life. That's a very common thing that Christians go through. You know, some people in your life, they're just not going to go where, where you want to go. They're not going to make the choices that you want to make to live for the kingdom of God. So our relationships might need some adjustments. We might need to bring our relationships to God. And other aspects of your life may not reflect God's will. We have to bring all of ourselves into alignment. Does your life reflect an existence defined by the kingdom of God? If someone looked at your life, would they say, uh, would they see a citizen and a soldier for God's kingdom? And please, please hear me. I'm not trying to bring judgment or condemnation or any of that to you. We're just illustrating some concepts here. I'm not saying that God is angry with you if you still have some shortcomings or areas that need cleanup. We all do. God wants, <laughs> I mean, I, I think about that all the time. I have lots of areas I got to keep working on. 
God wants the best for you, and he will continue encouraging all of us to closely align our existence with his perfect will until the end of our physical lives. My point today is not to focus on your specific behaviors. I'm only making the point that God's will is not in effect in every area of our lives automatically, and all of existence is not under his control. We can look the world over and see many terrible things that are not God's will. I never want to vomit more than when I hear Christians blaming God's mysterious will for the evils around us. Those are not from God. Those are from the devil. Your personal commitment to the kingdom of God is a personal and voluntary decision. After you receive Jesus Christ, how much of yourself and your life you give to God's kingdom is up to you. Understanding this helps us understand how a complete dedication to God's kingdom and all there is therein is the vaccination against the midlife crisis, the tweezers for that splinter of discontent. Matthew six thirty one through 33, this is Jesus speaking. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Of all we could take from this passage, let's first take one simple truth, that whether you seek God's kingdom is up to you. We could also acknowledge that seeking God's kingdom first is the answer to having all of your basic physical needs met. Having your physical needs met is great, but that's not going to create the peace and fulfillment for your existence I'm discussing today. So we need to keep going. Just remember that seeking God's kingdom is up to you. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. When we receive Christ Jesus, we are born again. As I have discussed elsewhere, in that moment, many amazing things happen to you. You become a child of God. You are perfectly righteous and like God in your spirit. You are bonded to the Holy Spirit. You have access to all of God's wisdom. On and on we could go. You are truly a new creation. That's Galatians 6.15. One amazing reality of your status as a new creation is now you are equipped to do the good things or the good works, as the King James translation has it, that God planned for you long ago. God planned many good works for you to do. God knew you before you were born and planned a wonderful life for you. Your life is not just about one singular moment or action in your life. Sure, isn't just about getting saved and then doing your best. Rather, your life should be a divinely designed lifetime of good works, love, relationships, and experience. Regarding your works, God will guide you along his plan of these fulfilling and exciting good works for your entire life. You know, unfortunately, those who are not born again can't see the kingdom of God. They can't do God's good works for their lives either. The good works are not designed for those who aren't Christians. You don't even receive access to your good works until you become a Christian. There are a lot of reasons for that. But to keep it simple, you need your new creation realities to do your good works, especially your union with God. You also need the Holy Spirit's direction to find them. None of God's good works were planned for you apart from your salvation, apart from your realities in Christ, and apart from the gifts God has put in you, which are awakened and quickened at your new birth. God has called the new creation you. 
with all of the righteousness, wisdom, love, and power placed within you to these good works. Now, these good works are everything. In fact, living the path of good works that God has set before us is the only source of true fulfillment in life. You were born with a purpose. You first become a Christian. It's the buy-in to the rest of your purpose. But now as Christians, as the sons and daughters of God, our purpose is to do the good works he planned for us. Yes, these good works includes marriage, parenting, neighboring, and many aspects of a traditional life. But now these works, which seem ordinary, have eternal significance. And on top of those good works, which we all have, there are specific good works unique to our individual designs, gifts, and abilities. Now, now listen, because this is, this is a, a profound and very powerful truth. You and the good works God planned for you are literally a match made in heaven. And here is some mind-blowing but simple revelation. Your purpose in life is to do the good works that God created you to do. In fact, I believe one of the greatest moments in a person's life, certainly on the level with salvation, marriage, childbirth, and the other most wonderful moments of our existence, is when you know that you are living as the person God created you to be and doing something God created you to do. Those times, those amazing moments can be experienced again and again and again. In fact, such a joy can be part of your constant experience of life, a constant part of your existence. A life where your created reality exists in harmony with both your creator and what he created you to do is where you will find the highest expression of joy, purpose, fulfillment, and excitement. That is the highest height of the human existence. That is the life you were meant to live and you will not find it without God. Only your creator knows what he created and why. You can only discover your reality and your purpose with God. My friends, like it or not, that's just the way it is. I may have told this story before, but I would first experience this joy and sense of purpose in Haiti. It was very hot one day as we were setting up for a revival meeting where I would preach later that night. The execution on the setup had not gone well. You know, when we do these things, we, we hire people and, you know, sometimes it goes better than others. And all the others, uh, the other people from America that were with us on this trip had gone back to the hotel because in the middle of the day, I mean, it gets super hot down there. Uh, but me and my friends, Matt and Adam, uh, excuse me, Matt and Gill, who run schools for Haiti, were there at the meeting site and we were we were setting up. And I was working on the lights and the power cord set up. And, and these were crucial for the whole meetings. You know, it's dark down there. They don't have the street lights. I mean, it's it, at night, it's very dark. There's just not the public electricity. So when you do these meetings, you got to have the lights and the, the power and all that set up and generators and so forth. And the cords were tangled and I was soaked in sweat and it would qualify as a tough moment, but all I felt was joy. And I don't know exactly how to describe it. There were so many things I could be annoyed about. I was going to be preaching that night. I wasn't supposed to be untangling the power cords, but I knew in that moment I was exactly where God wanted me to be. I was doing exactly what God wanted me to do. God had orchestrated all of that moment before I was even born, and somehow Despite my innumerable failures in life, the countless times I've missed it, 
God had brought me to that good work. The greatest moments of your life, aside from the big ones I listed above, the marriage, the kids, and so so forth, they can happen all the time. You can experience this union of creation and purpose and work every day. I know that part of God's plan for my life is to study His Word and receive revelation from His Spirit. It's why I was a reader as a kid. It's why I was drawn to become an English major and a lawyer. Reading comprehension has just been one of my gifts, and now I get to use it for His kingdom. So I've described for you this amazing life of purpose and fulfillment that is available to to us all. But let me do my best to tell you how to get there. I've already told you that it all begins with salvation. Your life begins with salvation. We all start there. From there, we do what Jesus said and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness is a complex idea that could easily be a book by itself. But really, you can still keep these ideas pretty simple. Do you want to seek God's righteousness? Then study God and his directions to Christians. There are numerous directions to Christians throughout the New Testament. I wouldn't worry about studying the Old Testament for such directions, not at first if you are beginning this endeavor. Of course, we can learn a great deal from the Old Testament, but for your life's general directions, focus on the New Testament, with loving God with all our hearts, souls, minds, and strength being the first direction, that's Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, and loving others as Christ loved, loves us, is the second direction. That's John thirteen thirty four. Studying God's directions for his people and studying God himself as he is revealed in Christ in the New Testament are the best ways that we learn about God's righteousness. As we commit to living according to God's directions, the Holy Spirit helps us. Now we are truly seeking his righteousness. We learn, we submit, and we follow. But what about seeking God's kingdom? Remember I said that God's kingdom is the realm of God's rule or God's dominion. First, we submit all of our lives to God's directions. That is simultaneously seeking God's righteousness and his kingdom in our personal lives. We seek and submit to the kingdom in our personal lives, in our hearts, and our minds. Then we look for how we are supposed to work for the kingdom of God. Doing your specific good works is synonymous with doing your appropriate work for the kingdom of God. I suppose we could split hairs and really go crazy about the difference in these definitions, but I'm more than confident they're very close, if not perfectly synonymous. God wants you to seek the kingdom. God wants you to do your good works. And doing your good works is the best way to seek the kingdom in the world around you. This is actually a great blessing. We don't need to analyze every possible ministry or kingdom endeavor to see where we should work. We just need to let God lead us into our personal good works. If you focus on becoming like Christ and following God's directions in your life, you are seeking God's kingdom and righteousness on the inside. If you focus on doing your good works in the world around you, you are seeking God's kingdom and righteousness on the outside. It's just that simple. This is the vaccination of the against the midlife crisis. This is the secret to peace and fulfillment in your life. This is the secret to unity between who God created you to be and what God created you to do. 
Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Psalm 139.13-16 For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know them full well, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I love that verse in Psalms 139 because it reinforces the relationship between who God created you to be and what God created you to do. Again, you and your good works are a match made in heaven. God created you. God knows every aspect of you. You are God's work and you are wonderful. In addition to creating you, God planned out all your days. God's plan for your life is not automatic. And to be honest with you, I wish it was. It's just not. I've lived many moments that were not God's plan for my life. God's plan is always waiting for you. It's always available to you. And yes, I do believe God is constantly modifying his perfect plan for our lives based on our choices, but his plan is always available to you. You just need to begin seeking God and his righteousness in your life. If you saw the truth about God's plan for your life, then you would see how your peace, joy, and fulfillment are all contained therein. Every day, millions of people wake up and have a similar experience. We see our spouses that we love. We see our children that we love. We see material possessions that are good enough, and we move forward in our existence. We have hobbies, and we go to church, and we experience joy in different things. We may even volunteer for causes we care about. But there's no burning passion for our lives. There's no excitement for our jobs. There's no internal drive to jump out of bed and maximize every moment. Despite the good things in our lives, we still end up going through the motions. And unfortunately, many times the things that bring us joy only act like a Tylenol against the splinter in our minds. We think the new car or the new vacation will help. New toys and vacations are fun, but they only temporarily move our minds away from the nagging unfulfillment that is constantly present just underneath the surface for so many of us. As symptoms sometimes get worse when the medicine wears off, the return to work we don't love is harder after an awesome vacation. You see, it can be tough to have the rise and fall when we have these amazing moments, but but our whole lives aren't truly aligned with God and the kingdom so that we're experiencing this joy and fulfillment on a constant basis, which is possible. The union between who God created us to be and what God created us to do is the answer. It's these moments of unison that bring the the purest and most complete fulfillment to our lives. It's seeking the kingdom within and without that brings us to these moments. Here is one of the beautiful realities of God's plan for our lives. It's perfectly tailored to where we are, to our level of maturity. God knows it takes time for us to grow and mature as his children. There are good works for you to do when you first become a Christian. Works that don't take much maturity at all. Maturity at all. Start going to church. Start reading your Bible. Start praying. These works don't really involve others. These good works are designed to further his work inside you. You are seeking God's kingdom and righteousness within. Then the works grow as you grow. 
You start volunteering. You start listening when God prompts you to invite someone to church. You join a small group. Again, these don't take much ministry either. Excuse me, much maturity either, but they are a step of growth. Soon enough, you'll want to know that others in your life are Christians, that they're going to heaven. You'll want to lead others to Christ. You'll want to help more and more people. You'll learn about your new works for God and want to get involved in some of them. Some of them won't appeal to you. That's fine. God wants some of his ministries to set your heart on fire and some of them to do nothing for you. Those works are for other people. We all have jobs to do in the kingdom. Many Christians reach this level, and it is a wonderful level to reach. We study, we pray, we go to church, and we serve. We generally feel when God is leading us to do something, and we go after it. Maybe our job isn't amazing, but overall, life is good and satisfying. We know that we are making an internal impact and that what we are doing some of our good works. Again, that's a great level. But God, and I'm not exactly sure how to put this, he doesn't stop pushing us. He doesn't stop growing us. He doesn't stop maturing us. He doesn't stop calling us higher. He brings us into bigger works and assignments of responsibility. And it may sound a bit bureaucratic, but this is how the kingdom works. We mature, we grow, we are promoted. We are faithful in what is little and we are given much. Luke 19, 12 through 26, the study that, powerful. This is also a blessing. It keeps things exciting. It keeps us wanting more. It maintains our passion and our growth and our fulfillment in the kingdom. Many of the ministry opportunities that I've had over the past few years came because God once told me back in 2014 to rent a room and put on a class about finding God's plan for your life. I rented the room. A few people came and someone that came that invited me to teach the men's foundations class at my church. I'd actually wanted to do it before, but the door wasn't open. They had somebody else teaching it. So I started teaching that class when the time was right in the eyes of God. And then I was invited to start teaching the Wednesday night Bible study in our church two times in the fall and two times in the spring. Out of all the amazing people at my church, they chose me. I wasn't a minister then. I've never been to seminary. And my church is filled with awesome pastors. But it was a divine promotion. It was a good work that God had planned for me. Then one of the primary teachers left and I was promoted again. It was just me and Tony Dungy teaching the Wednesday night Bible study for two years to literally hundreds of people. But then God told me to retire from that. It was time to step back for a season. My wife and I needed to learn from Andrew Womack. We needed to learn the secrets of divine healing, and we've got them now. So so what happened next? Pastor Doug and Pastor Dale decided to start a prayer and healing meetings Wednesday night at our church. I was there last night. It was awesome. But they invited me to teach twice. It was an opportunity to take what God had us learn about healing and faith and minister that to others. It's another good work for the kingdom. And when I hear my own voice, when I hear God speaking through me into the microphone, things that I've never even thought, revelation based on my studies that the Holy Spirit is giving me right in that moment. When I hear that and I feel him, I have one of those moments. I am living as God created me to live. And in that moment, I am doing something God created me to do. His creation doing what he created it to do. And in that moment, that simultaneously creates both a perfect satisfaction and an insatiable appetite for more. 
Seeking the kingdom will start in you as a decision, but it will become an addiction. When you experience this feeling a few times, you'll want it more and more. Nothing else can satisfy. And then more and more, you'll stop caring about the things of the world. Guys, my friends, I love you. This is just what happens. You'll care about your family and your relationship and what God wants you to do for the kingdom. There really isn't much else that matters. You'll come to agree. And let me just say, that doesn't mean you'll hate your job or want to join a monastery or something like that. Brother, you'll have a passion from God to do the job he wants you to do. You might need to change jobs. And personally, I'm seeking God's direction about that now. But that'll be a blessing. That'll be okay. God will lead you. But you'll start to have this this fulfillment, this content, this passion for every aspect of your lives. The things of the world will fall away. The things of God and the kingdom will take their right place in your heart and in your mind. As you seek the kingdom, new thoughts become ingrained into your mind. The splinter of discontent is replaced with a constant desire to do your works for God. Yes, I am seeking the kingdom by decision every day of my life, but it is also now part of my DNA. It is part of my mental framework. I am, in my own unique ways, an ambassador an ambassador for Christ, a soldier for God's kingdom. We are all called to this. God calls himself the fountain of living waters, Jeremiah 2.13. And he is also the fountain of perfect fulfillment and unity between who you are, and what you should do. This union looks different for each of us. You may be totally different from me. You may have totally different assignments from me, and that's awesome. Glory to God. Some people look at pastors and teachers and think that ministry doesn't interest them that it doesn't interest them at all. There's nothing wrong with that. God created you down to your very DNA sequencing and has good works perfectly tailored to you and your attributes. You can find them and experience them and you can know this perfect unity as well in its perfect expression designed by God just for you. Imagine a life where you know who you are and what you should do. Imagine a life with a perfect unity between who you are and what you do. God has this for all of us. This doesn't just vaccinate you against a midlife crisis. This doesn't just cure the discontent and unfulfillment. This empowers you to change the world for God. This ensures that when you reach heaven, you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's Matthew 25, 23. We are all called to change the world for God in our own unique ways. And this is how you do it. As you seek the kingdom inside yourself and in the world around you, God's Holy Spirit will help you grow and reveal your good works to you. It does take time to begin hearing from God. I encourage you to listen to my teachings on God's frequency and hearing from God. But don't even worry about that right now. Just start with the decision to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Make the decision to find and do God's works for you. This is how you will live the fulfilling and wonderful life that God created for you. This is how you will experience this perfect unity between who you are and what you do. My friends, I love you and I pray in Jesus' name that these works go down deep in your heart. The more of us that can 
realize what God has for us to do, realize God's plan for our lives, the works we're supposed to do, then we will all go forth changing the world for the kingdom of God, seeing God show up everywhere in the world around us. This is what he wants for us all. I love you and God bless you.